Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are in Hosea. We're coming to the end of this study of of Hosea. It looks like Hosea has 14 chapters. We're in chapter 10 now, so we'll probably be finishing Hosea this week. That's exciting, too. Because after we finish Hosea, we'll be back again in the New Testament. So today in chapter 10, we're studying um, what God is describing um, Israel as. Um, Israel's been successful. The northern kingdom's been producing a lot of of, uh, goods and services. Uh, It's been a nation that uh, has been a powerful nation. But you know what? That doesn't mean anything to God because the people's hearts were changing. And, you know, think about it to yourself. Look around in our society today. No matter where in the world you live, all our countries have so much technology and we have so many blessings. We have so many uh, successes uh, now. And you see people feeling like, Wow, you know, I'm so great. I have a, a a Facebook page. I have a Twitter page. I have phones. I have all kind of, you know, uh, financial things. And you may have a lot of money. Nations may have a lot of money. Nations, you know, tend to base a lot of their decision-making based on power and prestige. But when you think about it, do the people really have the Word of God? And McGee asked the question, you know, even of the United States, after World War II, we became quite powerful. But does that mean the people have the Word of God? And it doesn't matter how powerful you are or how lowly you are or anything in between. It's having the Word of God that matters to a a nation. It's having the Word of God that matters to each individual person. And this is God getting down in the nitty-gritty. He's casting judgment on this northern kingdom. Um, Capital of Samaria uh, being Samaria and Ephraim being a reference to one of its major tribes in the northern kingdom. 
So through the prophet Hosea, God is speaking to the people in the nation Israel. Through the prophet Hosea, God is speaking to the nation as a whole. He's speaking to the people as individuals. And God is a nation. Uh, Through Hosea, God is speaking to us. He's speaking to our nations today. He's speaking to each individual today. Let's jump in. Chapter 10, verse 1. Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. The more his fruit increased, the more altars he built and his country improved. He improved his pillars. Okay. Israel got really uh, headstrong, very uh, successful, built a bunch of altars. Okay. Doing great. People would, you know, feel good about what they saw. Verse 2. Their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. So what's going on here? Their heart was not focused on God. It was focused on the the architecture. It wasn't focused on God. And do we have that today? You know, it's easy to go in these big massive churches and be impressed with the architecture, but it's not about the architecture, is it? Can you imagine how much God hates these beautiful chapels that takes people's hearts away from Him? If that's what's happening, God must hate them. So it's all about having your heart. Now you could go in and pretend like you're worshiping. You could go in and, and you know, go through the motions. You could go in and put on your best clothes and you have nice shoes and all this stuff, and you want to go in and talk to people that know you. You kind of have a little social crowd. You know, you may even want to go for, you know, lunch after church, or you may have your own little rituals that you like to do. Is that really, is your heart really focused on God? How how sincere was your worship? Is your, Is there still sin in your life while you're doing all that? Are you going to church just to be social? Are you going to church to worship? Well, this is what God calling out the nation, the, the, the northern kingdom here. Their heart wasn't right. He says, I'm going to break down all this stuff. Your hearts aren't right. Your hearts are false. Verse 3, for now they will say, we have no king. We don't fear the Lord and a king. What, he could, what could he do for us? People didn't feel like they needed a king. They didn't fear the Lord. Verse 4, They utter mere words with empty oaths. They make covenants. So judgment springs up like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the field. They utter empty words. Their worship doesn't mean anything. And they make all these empty, empty oaths. McGee says he doesn't really like all these, sometimes these altar calls where people go down to the front of the church and kneel and want to rededicate their lives and stuff and or make these fancy prayers. McGee doesn't like all that sometimes because he says they're just uttering mere words. They're, they don't mean anything. They're just emotional when they do that. God doesn't want that. God wants a changed heart. And it might not be made in front of all these people it might just be made within the heart but regardless God says judgment will come on all this 
and you think you're doing it in secret. You think it, God doesn't know all this. God will judge the hearts of the people. Even though they have all these fancy altars and living like a luxuriant vine, and they're uttering all kind of words that sound good, God says, I'm going to judge all that. That You don't get a buy from dressing nice and uttering nice words if your heart's not right. You don't get a buy. You get judgment on that. Verse 5, the inhabitants of Samaria tremble for the calf of Beth-Avon. Its people mourn for it, and so do its idolatrous priests, those who rejoice over it and over its glory, for it has departed from them. The thing itself shall be carried to Assyria as tribute to a great king. Ephraim shall be put to shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his idol. That's what the people are doing. They're even blatantly worshiping a false idol. And you say, well, you know, we would never worship like a golden calf today. Well, you say that, but what's what's taking place of the golden calf? Or is it the is it the golden paycheck? Is it that the heart is sensitive for being popular and that's what you worship? Popularity? Is that is that your golden calf? Is that my golden calf? We worship the next possession. Oh, we just have to have this, that, and the other. We're sort of creatures who who feel like, oh, if we just had this, or if 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 somebody just accepted us in a certain way, you know, you have to get over all that. You can't have a heart like that. Verse seven: Samaria's king shall perish like a twig on the face of the waters. The high places of Avon, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed, and thorn and thistle shall grow up on the altars, and they shall say they shall say to the mountains, Cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Okay? Can you imagine? Judgment is coming. And when it comes and the people realize their sin, they'll want to be covered up by the mountains. They'll be one of they will, the hills, they'll be if they could, they they would be covered up. They would want to be covered up by the hills or crawl into the ground to escape God's judgment. Just like an animal. That's what it's going to feel like when judgment comes. For the days of Gilba, you have sinned, O Israel. There they have continued. Shall not the war against the unjust overtake them in Gilba? When I please, I will discipline them. The nations shall be gathered against them when they are bound up for their double iniquity. What a terrible position that Israel is getting itself into. How it falls away as a nation and to a person. As everyone's falling away, the nation collectively is falling away from God. How must that have hurt God? To watch his beloved nation fall away from him and chase blatantly other other um, religions, other faiths, and putting their faith in the power of what their hands could make. Verse eleven: Ephraim was a trained calf that loved to thresh, and I spared her fair neck. 
but I will put Ephraim to the yoke. Judah must plow, Jacob must harrow for himself. So here we have this little metaphor here about Ephraim, which is a, a, a major tribe in the northern kingdom, and he's kind of referring to the northern kingdom by name, so he calls it Ephraim. And he's saying the northern kingdom's sort of like a plow, uh, I mean, like a calf that's plowing the field. You've got, it's a kind of a reference to, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work, um, and what you plant, that's what you eat. Okay, and people can understand that concept. You've got to go out and work for what you eat. And so he's saying to the people, your salvation is going to be what you do. I'm going to have to judge you by what you're doing. Even though I've promised you my presence in life, you've rejected that. And so when you reject that, you're going to now, you want to reject it because of of your own skills? Well, I'm going to let you see what your own skills will reap, and it's going to be nothing. Judah must plow, Jacob must harrow for himself. In other words, you're going to have to plow and harvest what you plant. Verse 12, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. So he's telling them, look, you've got to sow for yourselves righteousness and steadfast love. If you just call on me, that's what you can plant. And then he continues this imagery of planting. Verse 13, you have plowed iniquity. You have reaped injustice and you have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your warriors. Therefore, the tumult of war shall arise among your people and all your fortresses shall be destroyed as Shaman destroyed Beth Arbel on the day of battle. Okay, so what are you planting? Nothing. You're planting bad fruit, lies. You're planting the injustice that you live by. You're planting what you trust in your own warriors, in your own way, not my way. And that's what you're going to reap. And you're trusting on your own self to protect your own self, and you're going to reap a harvest of nothing to protect you. Because God, the Father, has been protecting you. That's where you uh, succeeded. But then Shalman, I think that was a a king, an Assyrian king, he's going to come over and destroy Beth Arbel. That was a city in the northern kingdom. It's no longer even there. Mothers were dashed in pieces with their children. This was a brutal way of the Assyrians and then later the Babylonians of destroying people they captured. They would, you know, I believe they would hold up children by the feet and just smash their heads in the rocks. Very, very brutal. They would do the same things to the mothers. What a horrific, horrific thing to have to go through or to watch. It shall be done to you, O Bethel, because of your great evil. So now he's kind of talking collectively 
to the people, to the nation. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to you're going to die a brutal death. You you know, this northern kingdom is going to come to an end in a brutal way because of your great evil. Verse 15 concludes, at dawn the king of Israel shall be utterly cut off. So God's judgment is coming and again you reap what you sow. And um, this is an analogy we've seen um, several times through the Scriptures about reaping and sowing and planting and producing fruit. And again, Israel was trying to plant what it thought was its own fruit, but it was rejecting God. And its harvest is a harvest of death. So we have to look at these words today. What are we planting? And what do we hope to reap? Because if we're not planting God's righteousness, if we're not planting God's words in the hearts of our children, they're going to reap death. And as parents, we have to know that. It has to be a very high priority. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time, and we'll continue our study through the book of Hosea. So now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great and had a great weekend. And now we'll listen to what you have to say on this awesome book. God bless you. We'll see you next time. And as always, keep your hearts centered on Christ. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Hosea chapter 10, beginning at verse 2 all the way to chapter 11, verse 1. So here we are still dealing with God's judgment of the northern kingdom. They were um, playing the harlot, they were um, idolaters, and they were worshipping the golden calf and, um, you know, God's judgment was impending upon them, despite them receiving the warning from the prophet Hosea, whose life uh, was an application to what was happening in their kingdom. So um, Israel is the empty vine. So here, uh, verse one, let's just recapitulate. Israel empties his vines. He brings forth fruit for himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He has increased the altars according to the bounty of his land. They have embellished his sacred pillars. So here, Israel is the empty vine. So, um, and this is meant, it's meant that um, Christ is the true and genuine vine. That was in John 15 verse 11 when uh, Christ was in the upper room and he was talking to his disciples and he says, you know, I am the true vine. So this here just meant that Christ is, Jesus Christ is the true and genuine vine. And no longer did they have to worship through the temple, but through Christ um, to the living God. So we have um, an intercessor, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. So the vine was just pouring out its fruit. That was Israel. It was just pouring out fruit and there was prosperity that was blinding them to their current condition because, you know, they were so prosperous. They felt, you know, we don't need the Lord Jesus. Oh, sorry. We don't need God. Um, you know, we have all these calves, you know, we can build like, uh, calves, 
out of gold and silver and you know whatever other precious stones they had so you know there was idol worshiping everywhere so anything that you know they had around they worshiped <clears throat> so now today's teaching is beginning at verse 2 um of Hosea chapter 10 and verse 2 reads their heart is divided now they are held guilty he will break down their altars he will ruin their sacred pillars so here now their hearts w were divided so their hearts are divided here so they worshiped god and they also worshiped at the golden calves so that was um baal and this is the condition that james actually mentioned when he said you know a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and this is you know why there is so much inconsistencies in the lives of you know uh, people who hold public office or just in the lives of a lot of people today, you know, people who claim to be Christians and go to church, you know, there's so many inconsistencies today. So, you know, they say one thing and, you know, at one side and they say something else, um, on the other side. So, you know, it's like they're living double standards, you know, when they're in a particular crowd, um, they say one thing. So it's like they're blowing hot and cold. So if there's with a particular crowd, you know, a crowd that's the, the, the crowd at church, they say one thing, but if they're in a different circle, they say, you know, they're not consistent. So when some of these public leaders, you know, they come on TV, you know, they say good things and, you know, they quote scripture. And, uh, you know, one thing Dr. Jamie McGee said was like, you know, if you take off their jacket, maybe you might even find like a pair of wings and, you know, they've got this halo around them, but, you know, in their private lives, they have the foulest language. And you actually see that a lot. Um, and you know, their hearts are divided and this is true of the church today. So you can't walk into, you know, church on Sunday, um, you know, oh, holy and, you know, quoting scripture and oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And walk out during the week and, you know, take the Lord's name in vain. You know, nowadays, you know, the Lord's name has just become, you know, um, um, you know, a cussing phrase, you know, oh my goodness. Oh, you know, like, oh my God. And, you know, that's what people just use the Lord's name today. <clears throat> and, you know, you walk out during the week, um, you know, first of all, you're holy and all holy and praise God, praise Jesus, you know, on a Sunday. And, you know, the minute you walk out, you take the Lord's name in vain. And this is the kind of living that brought judgment on these people. And this is what we're seeing today. So that's, this is what these people were doing. They were divided. So verse 3 of Hosea 10 reads, For now they say, we have no king because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? So, you know, the king of the Southern Kingdom was actually not helping the Southern Kingdom much. And he happened to be, you know, in the in David's line. Um, and to, you know, to think that the Northern Kingdom was having trouble because they had godless kings. So the problem is, um, you know, it's not just... You know, look at the Southern Kingdom. They had a Davidic line king um, who God had actually chosen and approved. But look at, um, you know, how they turned out, how they disobeyed God, how, you know, they blasphemed against God and all. So the problem wasn't with the king. You know, even if they say, you know, um, we do not have a king. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're saying, um, and as for the king, what would he do for us? The problem is in the human heart. And this is the problem with us today. You know, the problem is in our hearts. You know, what is in our hearts today? Verse 4 of Hosea 10 reads, They have spoken words swearing falsely in making a covenant. Thus judgment springs up like hemlock 
in the furrows of the field. So now here, you know, they have, um, you know, they were, they were talkers and all wordy. You know, they're the people who, they would walk to church or they would walk into church and, you know, just, um, you know, put up, you know, a string of like really beautifully done words and, you know, um, you know, and, and bow their heads and pray and they are all wordy, they're all talkers. And today, you know, uh, we have radio, TV, you know, um, the printed media, you know, it has made man the most talkative animal ever. Um, and most of what man says is junk. Most of what you read, you know, people, you know, get paid huge amounts of money to bring out a paper, a study, philosophy, you know, and everything, whatnot in the background, but it's just all junk. And, you know, it's not even worth listening to. So in most of the things that are being spoken of, there's not much being said about, you know, being, bringing people to God, you know, making people return to God, turning to the word of God and, you know, and, um, because this is not popular today because we're in a liberal world. It's not popular at all. So many have spoken words, you know, um, the, the, the words that are being spoken today, you know, there's a lot of swearing falsely and making, you know, a covenant and, um, you know, <coughs> dedication and rededication of their lives. You know, people go up in front in church and cry and dedicate their lives. Again, you know, a week later, they are rededicating their lives <coughs> and, you know, not... Um, they actually just don't mean business with God. You know, instead of <coughs> every Sunday or every month or every year, you're the one rededicating your life to God. You know, mean business with God. When you turn to God, turn to God and mean business about it. So judgment is coming upon us. You know, how are we living our lives today? Because God's going to come and judge us. He's going to come and judge all of us. Um, for everything that we do, we have to be accountable. Verse 5 of um, Hosea 10 reads, The inhabitants of Samaria fear because... A fear because of the calf of Bel Avin. So here, Bel Avin is a term of ridicule for, you know, Bethel. So um, scripture goes on to read, For its people mourn for it, and its priests shriek for it, because its glory has departed from it. So, you know, they are jealous of one another. That's, in other words, that's what this means. Um, so, you know, they're jealous. They're thinking, you know, who has the bigger calf? Which one has the most gold? This is what's being talked about. So, you know, people want bigger and better. And, you know, today we boast of things of the world. We boast, um, you know, to keep up with the neighbors, the Joneses. Um, and, you know, like, oh, you know, the Joneses bought a nice car or they have a bigger house. You know, you want to have something bigger. And this is what, you know, they were actually doing back then. And God says all the things um, that, were, uh, that they were boasting about, you know, the religion. Um, you know, they will come when the glory of it has departed because now that glory has departed, you know, because they had this false prosperity going on. So now that it's departed because they're thinking, oh, now let's make a bigger calf, you know, in case, you know, uh, our prayers get answered and things like that. So verse six goes on to read, the idol also shall be carried to Assyria as a present to King Jareb. Ephraim shall receive shame and Israel shall be ashamed of its own counsel. So here, the golden calf um, in Samaria and in Bethel will be carried and given um, as a gift to King Jareb. And that's what happened. You know, they made bigger calves with more gold and all. And in the end, you know, it was carried off. And, um, you know, the counsel um, of Israel is going to be ashamed because, you know, it's wrong counsel. So they were ashamed because, you know, there were false prophets and um, false priests. 
verse 7 goes on to read, As for Samaria, her king is cut off like a twig of the water. So here God says he's going to cut off the king in the northern kingdom. So the line in the southern kingdom of Judea will will just be, you know, like bubbles in the water, will be like form upon the water. Verse 8 goes on to read, Also the high places of Avon, uh, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The throne of the thistle of the thistle shall grow on their altars. They shall say to the mountains, cover us and to the hills fall on us. So here now, you know, they were worshipping every kind of an idol which they put on a grove that was a high place and, you know, judgment. You know, it came. It was coming. They were warned and it came. And this is a judgment that will also come during the Great Tribulation period. So scripture goes on to read, <clears throat> verse 9, O Israel, you have sinned from the days of uh, Gilbia. There they stood the battle of Gilbia against, um, sorry, Gibea, sorry, against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. When it is my desire, I will chasten them. People shall be gathered against them. When, when I bind them for their two transgressions. Verse 11 goes on to read, Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh grain. So here now, you know, Paul had actually applied this um, to a preacher that the workman is worthy of his hire. So don't mind paying your preacher if he's a Bible teacher that's studying God's word and trying to help you trying to help us so don't mind paying the preacher so pay your preacher because even the ox that um, plows the field and you know treads the grain can eat the grain as well that, that was the mosaic law <clears throat> so um it goes uh, verse 11 goes on to read but i harnessed their fair neck oh sorry but i harnessed her fair neck i will take ephraim pull so I will make Ephraim pull a plow, Judah shall plow, Jacob shall break his clods. So here now, God says <coughs> that, you know, but I harnessed her fair neck. And what does this mean? So this heifer has been well fed and taken care of. And, you know, this was the people of Israel. God fed them and took care of them. But it's a backsliding heifer. So now here it says... um, Ephraim, um, I will make Ephraim pull a plow, Judah shall plow, Jacob shall break its clods. So now here, this means, you know, they loved to tread out the grains and they, the grain, sorry, and they enjoyed, you know, their bountiful harvest and they got, that they actually got and, um, you know, they didn't like to go out and plow the ground and uh, breaking out of clods. And God is saying he will put them back to do the things that they don't like to do. That's judgment. You know, they were going to go into captivity, into slavery. <clears throat> Verse 12 goes on to read, Sow your, for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So here, Paul had actually said this to his believers, you know, to believers. He had actually preached this, um, not to the unbelievers, but to the believers, you know. 
Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. And if you sow the flesh, you shall reap the flesh. You shall reap corruption. So if you sow the spirit, you shall reap life everlasting. So we can't live today by the devil's standards. I like this quote that Dr. J.B. McGee gave. We can't live today by the devil's standards and expect to reap a reward from God. Verse 13 goes on to read, You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way, in the multitude of your mighty men. So here, you know, it's basically saying what you sow is what you're going to reap. <clears throat> so, you know, they lied and, the, you know, they lied and the mighty men they trusted in lied to them. You know, that was their leaders. So they got what was coming to them. You know, in the book of Daniel, it's, um, he had said, I set unto them the basest of rulers. So sinful people cannot elect a man, you know, today. Sinful people cannot elect a man that is an outstanding leader. You know, look at our leaders. I can give you an example of our leaders today. You know, it's all over in the papers. It's not like a state secret and all. Our leader, our, you know, our leader currently, you know, he's a drunkard. If you look at the nation today, you know, um, Everyone says, oh, Zambians like to drink. And, you know, this is actually true. You know, the word has said it. You know, look, just look at our leaders today. So if you are a liar, um, that's who you get to rule over you. If you're a thief, an adulterer, a corrupt person, a drunk, that's who you get to rule over you. You know, um, the Greek saying that Dr. J.V. McGee pointed out is, you know, the dice of the gods are loaded. So don't gamble with God. You're just going to lose. So if you feel you can actually, oh, you're a liar, and you you feel like, oh, hey, you know, um, you feel you can actually cheat the dice, um, then you're you you you're basically saying God's a liar, and God's not a liar. You know, the dice of the gods are loaded, according to this is a Greek uh, parable. So when you sow sin, you will reap sin. You can't escape it. That's what's. Uh, this uh, verse 13 is basically saying verse 14 of Hosea 10 reads therefore uh, tumult shall arise among your people and all your fortresses shall be plundered as a shalman plundered Beth Arbel in the day of battle a mother dashed in pieces upon her children so here this was you know like a very cruel and you know uncivilized method that was used by the assyrians and the babylonians you know where an infant was actually taken you know from the israelites an infant was taken and their heads were dashed against the stone so the, the heads were crushed and this was awful and you know very uncivilized and you know this is what they were doing and you know today you actually find you know um you know that there's awful crimes that are equivalent to what these pagan and heathens were doing um that you know that they're taking place now you know like i was watching a documentary on um a drug lord called uh, pablo escobar you know the atrocities he actually committed and all this because of drugs you know the the number of people that he killed and you know if i read you know like what was happening back then this is what's happening today so um you know in this new morality and you know in this liberal world you know um there are drug crimes there's you know homosexuality has been approved today and this is no different 
than what the pagans did by bashing the heads of babies against the stone. And we say we are advanced today. We're more advanced in thinking and all. There is no difference. I think we've even reached a new low. Uh, <clears throat> verse 15 of Hosea 10 goes on to read, Thus it shall be done to you, O Bethel, because of your great wickedness. At dawn the king of Israel shall be cut off at 30. So the Assyrians came and, you know, overnight they were transported into slavery into Assyria. So now we reach chapter 11 and here, chapter 11, you know, there's a new note to it. So here we're from looking at God's judgment um, of, you know, um, the betrayal and the disobedience of his people um, in Israel, in the northern and southern kingdom. So here now, um, chapter 11, you know, Israel turns from God and um, must be judged. That's what we're looking at all along, but God won't give her up. So this is a new note that we have, you know, despite them turning away from God, God won't give her up because God loves them so here now there is a new note and here is um you know that is the love of god from their disobedience you know we're looking at their disobedience but now here it's uh, the love of god so verse one of chapter 11 hosea reads when israel was a child i loved him and out of egypt i called my son so now here you know he speaks primarily of the nation israel you know, of a close relationship. So God took them out of Egypt. Um, you know, when when Mary and Joseph had to um, go to Egypt um, to uh, escape the king's, uh, you know, when the king was killing the firstborn children. Um, so it's like, it's now personal. Like um, if, we, if, if we look at, you know, God called his son um, from Egypt. So God took them out of Egypt. You know, here it's 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 a more on a personal level. You know, because God loved them, He took them out of Egypt because He loved them, not that they were worthy and not that they were wonderful people or they deserved it, because He just loved them. And this is the reason He actually saved us. He actually saved you and me on the cross. He's identified with humanity. You know, God is identified with humanity. Um, he's identified with you and me. So. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son because he loved us, not that because we were worthy, um, because of the condition of love that he had for us. Um, and that's why he did not give up upon that nation. And that's why God does not want to give up on you and me today because of his love. He's calling out, you know, the church to turn to him before it's too late. So God, you know, God is always there. Um, he's always, um, looking out for us, um, because of the love that he has for us, even if we don't deserve, you know, the love he shows to us, but you know, he has that much love for us. So, you know, what are we doing with the cross today? Are we believing and are we trusting in, in, um, in the Lord Jesus Christ? So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant Monday. Bye-bye.